by the powers vested in me by the Federal Communications Commission, I command you to get on the microphone in a serious manner and continue this broadcast. Now that your pictures in the paper being rhythmically admired, you can look out in a wall that you have ever desired. All you gotta tell me now is why, why, why? Welcome to the Working Week. Welcome to Cairo Nights. I'm Spike O'Neill along with Matt Butler. And uh, it's one of those days, Matt Butler, where half the city's off and half the city's not. You know, it's a it's a federal holiday. It's President's Day. That doesn't matter to a lot of employers. Our company here, of course, gives us the day off. But some of us are just such gluttons for punishment, we make it into work anyway. I commend you, Matt Butler, for stepping up to the plate tonight. And well, I hate to disappoint my ten loyal fans. <laughs> well, well, give me about five minutes. I'll get half of them out here for you. Um, I, I commend John and Sherry doing their show live today. Uh, Brandy Cruz in here today doing the show live. It's uh, and it's no knock on folks who like to take advantage of a holiday. You know, we work hard in this country. We really do. Despite what people will want to tell you, we work hard in this country. We're very productive in this country. A lot of the times we're productive because we have to be because we're working with about one-third the staff we used to have. You know, I love when they say, oh, America's productivity is through the roof. Yeah, well, you got eight people doing the job of 12. So, yes, they're all more productive. That's just nature of the beast. But I digress. I appreciate everybody who made it into work today. And if you're with us tonight, if you're still working, if you're working a late shift job or if you're on your way home or already made it home, I appreciate you giving us some of your evening hours. Uh, if you have power, <laughs> uh, count your blessings and consider yourself lucky because uh, I think Lisa was just saying up to 20,000 already out without power in the Puget Sound up and down the I-5 corridor as this windstorm uh, rolls into town tonight with rain and wind all over the region. Uh, I know personally when I left my home this afternoon to come into work, uh, I drove through a dark neighborhood between my house and I-5. One community had already lost power. I arrived at work to a panicked call from my wife. Where are the lanterns, flashlights, and candles? No, she wasn't having a seance. We have lost our power. That's not saying she won't have a seance because I'm not there. She often does that kind of stuff when she's home alone trying to amuse herself. Now, we're out of power up in the uh, Edmonds Shoreline area. Mont Lake Terrace out of power. We love that we have all the trees in the great Northwest, the evergreen state. And I, I'm not sure if Olympia has made any headway on officially calling us the Evergreen State as our official state motto. I know it's been an implied motto since the 1890s, but this year they're trying to make it a real thing, along with the Susasaurus as the state dinosaur. Big things happening in Olympia, stuff that matters to you and me. State motto, state dinosaur. You know, you can still steal a car and run from the police without being chased, but we will have a state motto and a state dinosaur. So help me God. And even a state cactus, I think I remember correctly. They're trying to get a state cactus as well. What we need, Matt... We need a fifth grade class to take up the cause of chasing bad guys, right? When a fifth grade class makes it their mission to get something done in the legislature, it's cute. Everybody wants to get behind it, right? Oh, yeah, a fifth grade class wants us to have a state dinosaur up on the up in the islands there. Yeah, a state cactus over in the eastern Washington. Sure, great, fifth grade class. Let's get a fifth grade class on police pursuit. Maybe that'll help. I hope you guys uh, have had a relaxing holiday if you've had the day off. I hope you took full advantage of President's Day 
and got yourself a new mattress because that's pretty much the reason. You know, that was the first, by the way, I'll make the most tasteless joke ever made. That was uh, that was the origin of President's Day when Lincoln was shot and passed away the morning after on April 15th at 722 in the morning. They looked at that blood-soaked mattress and said, you know, we need a new mattress. If only there was a sale. If only there was a national holiday when mattresses could be put on sale. That's I, I, that's awful. I apologize in advance. Or, or, or <laughs> send your hate mail now. 888-973-5476. Ah. <sighs> It is nice to get a a holiday from your boss. Our bosses here at Bonneville are really great employers. And I'm not just saying that because my check cleared again on Friday. And it did. The eagle has landed. Hallelujah. But uh, when, when companies appreciate their employees, like the federal government, and gives you a paid holiday or your employer. I know a lot of folks worked today. Most folks in the service industry never get holidays off. And, you know, without you in the service industry, our holidays would suck because we couldn't do the things we want to do on our paid vacation day. But I hope uh, I heard somebody say earlier today, and I won't point any fingers. I won't point any fingers. I heard someone put forth the notion that President's Day was a waste, was an undeserving holiday. And I, I was aghast. I could not be more in disagreement with people who think that this country doesn't deserve a day to honor our presidents. I think that's an indication of how how the job has uh, diminished in recent years in its public perception. It's lost its shine, the office of the presidency. And you can blame the current guy if you like. That's fine. That's your opinion. That's your point of view. I got no problem with that. You can blame the last guy if you like. You can blame the guy before him or the guy before him or the guy before him. I think we've had a track record of, of late having presidents that left a lot to be desired. I will say that our perception of our presidents is driven directly by the media we consume. I think it's impossible to look at a couple of recent presidents and not acknowledge the accomplishments they, they put together while in office. And not to look at them in the horrific light painted to them by opposing viewpoints and the people in those medias. You know, I was raised in a time in America, a texter just points out that uh, he's 66 and remembers in his fourth or fifth grade class, teachers that would, uh, they would do the spare time on the three-day weekends. And what they could get done over a three-day weekend was, was wonderful. You know, we all appreciate a day off from time to time. Um, I was raised in a time when history was important. Learning our history accurately was important because we had a lot to be proud of as Americans. And and we still do. Folks are so quick to say how bad this country is, you know, how how much we've fallen on on the international stage, how much we've let our own citizenry down. I think we got a lot to be proud of as Americans. I think that the history of our presidency is one of incredible accomplishment, great men accomplishing great things in service of a grateful nation. And I think that any kind of deviation from that is a lot of hyperbole, a lot of media spin, and a lot of sour grapes. You know, I I was hoping to spend this evening talking about presidents 
for the for the bulk of our show. We could talk about the events of the day. We can get to that. Absolutely. There are stories today that are worth our attention, worth our discussion, worth hearing everybody's point of view on. But you know, let's let's take a minute to think back as to who we've who we've had lead us and build us as a nation. You know, George Washington didn't chop down a cherry tree. He wasn't a perfect man. He was a slave owner. George Washington didn't have wooden teeth. George Washington had teeth that were fashioned from the teeth of dead people, including his former slaves. That doesn't play well in third grade. I give the kids nightmares, go home crying to mom. So you say he whittled, whittled the teeth out of wood. It's a, it's a harmless myth. You know, the, I cannot tell a lie, Father, I chopped down the cherry tree. We like, a, we like a leader, a historical figure who we could look up to. And for all George Washington's flaws, and he had many, he did realize that America needed something different than a king. He, you know, gave up the throne. He said, I will not seek to this, a third term as president. When they begged him to stay, this young fledgling country begged him to stay in charge because it wasn't a done deal for the first, you know, couple terms. It wasn't a done deal for the first almost first hundred years that we would make it as a nation. It's still not a done deal by a lot of people's perspective. We're at a place now where we might be on rockier ground as a democracy than we've been in any of our lifetimes. But we needed that figure, that touchstone of American greatness and self-sacrifice and the greater good. You know, a government of the people, by the people, for the people shall not perish from this earth. Abraham Lincoln. Even he knew 100 years after the fact, after 20 years after the nation was born, or 80, give me a little bit of a leeway here. He knew the experiment wasn't a foregone conclusion. But we needed Washington. We needed that image of Washington and of Jefferson, of the statesman who saw something possible in building this country, in writing this self-governing doctrine, right, where, where the people, elected officials, were the ones who decided. And, and don't get me wrong, the founding fathers were full of holes. Those guys had flaws aplenty. You know, Thomas Jefferson, Sally Hemings, the name Sally Hemings comes to mind. You know, because Sally Hemings was property of Thomas Jefferson. He felt no problem whatsoever in bedding down that woman, fathering a child with that woman. But he still was, he managed to write the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, you know, helped us secure support internationally from France, from other nations in our war of independence with England. Jefferson got it done. But he wasn't perfect. You know who the first president, well, it's of the first 10 presidents, how many were slave owners, would you gather? Seven. Mm, you'd be low. The only president of our first 10 who didn't own slaves was John Adams. The other nine were all slave owners. Even his son, John Quincy Adams, was a slave owner. And not to be a presentist, not to be judging, I don't think we should pull down the statues of our founding fathers because they lived in the time they lived and abide 
by the laws of the land in the time they lived. That's presentism. Judging people by today's standards. Of course, today. Well, how could somebody who owns slaves be considered worthy of leading? It is a pretty big blind spot, though, for people who supposedly had this great wisdom and insight into human nature and the human desire and need for freedom and self-determination to completely miss it simply because of the color of, of another person's skin. Well, but, but let's be fair, too. That was a point of view founded in the economy and the economics of slavery. I mean, you're right. It was it was beyond inhuman to consider another human being as property. And there was a religious point of view that justified that in the minds of the people of that era, not just the founding fathers, the people of that era, you know, that these were subhuman, these these individuals brought in to do the labor of this new nation. The Civil War was fought for economic reasons. Lincoln wanted to free the slaves because it was the right thing to do. But yes, yes. But also, it would bankrupt the economy of the South, thus bending their will to rejoin the Union at all costs. After they had been defeated on the battlefield, it still wasn't enough. If they were, you know, I just watched Lincoln this weekend with Daniel Day-Lewis. And I know it's not historically accurate. It paints a romanticized picture of Lincoln saying we had to unburden ourselves of the sin of slavery. Now, if not now, 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 you know, the, the cabinet meeting scene. It's brilliant. Daniel Day-Lewis was a phenomenal actor. We'll talk later tonight about the best presidents on screen ever, both TV and movies, both fictional presidents and real-life presidents brought to life by actors. We'll talk about those tonight. I love, love, love the topic of what actor would you like to lead our country today? Right. Which which president who who did the best job playing a president? Which president would you like to see in charge today? I love those kind of games. There's some myths about the presidency. The myth that George W. Bush had the lowest IQ of all presidents. It's a myth. Well, I also have a a remark. Yes. (laughs) I was going to say, well, we may have thought that, but then hold my beer. Yeah, hold my beer. Well, <laughs> uh, President Bush has a high IQ. You may have disagreed with his policies. He may have been sometimes a less than graceful speaker in public, of course. But that's, that's not the case. There are a lot of myths about the presidency. A lot of myths about our founding fathers that we hold on to. From a patriotic perspective, a romanticized version of our history. Um, I, but I, again, I put forth the notion that the, the opinions we have of our elected leaders today are completely dictated not by fact, not by accomplishment, not even by shortcoming, but by the propaganda and influence that certain media outlets use to portray their side of the argument and vilify opposing parties. I guarantee you that former President Trump accomplished things for this country that many people will re- forever refuse to acknowledge. None of them come to mind. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I could, I could rattle off a list of Trump accomplishments. I could rattle off a list of Biden accomplishments. But I think we're so trenched in to our points of view and so supported in our beliefs by whichever media we choose to take part in, that you can never convince someone that Joe Biden has accomplished a single thing. There are some people, you could never convince some people that Donald Trump did a single, had a single good day as president. And, and they're just, that's just not true. 
You can disagree with his priorities, disagree with the policies of his particular party, both Biden, both Trump or, or Obama. You can go back through history. The Bush one and two, Clintons. You can go back through history and your point of view will be prejudiced and tainted by the what you want to believe in the media used you, you consume to reaffirm your point of view. I just want to take issue with the fact that America's presidency is a job worth having. It's a job that we should revere. A, 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 a public servant, regardless of who sits in the Oval at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, a public servant worthy of respect, a position worth reverence. And I, I, I'll believe that till the day I die. True, today could be framed as America has run out of President's Day. A lot of people think we don't have a great candidate for president from either party at the current time or moving forward into the 2024. People say Joe Biden's far too old to be the president. Well, who else is there on the Democratic side? Nobody. We can think of no one. I'm sure if we entrenched power structures, too, aren't going to let younger people in this country have a president that speaks to their interests because they're not connected. Well, that while that's got tons of validity to it. That that statement is ex- insanely true. I mean, insanely true. But the largest voting block is young people, but the ones with the lowest voter turnout exactly. are young people. The power, dear sir, lies in ourselves. We have the power as American citizens to get off of our sofas and off our asses and support a candidate and go out and vote. I mean, truce, these days it can be harder and harder and harder to even cast a ballot. And sometimes misinformation and flat out lies about the validity of elections take the wind out of a lot of people's sails. Why should I bother? A lot of people will say, why should I bother to vote? It's all rigged. It's predetermined. It's really not. It really is one vote. One person. Whoever gets the most votes wins. At least the Electoral College. And that's the system we have, and it's working. We just have to have a little faith in it. I have faith in the American people. I have faith in the office of the presidency. I have faith in you, the voter. I have faith in the audience of this show. What about Gerald Ford? The only president never elected, by the way, Gerald R. Ford. A little trivia question for you there, man. It's Kyra Knights. I'm Spike O'Neill along with Matt Butler. We'll play a little presidential trivia when we come back. We talk about who the who, which president had the lowest IQ. I'll give you a hint. It wasn't W. We'll be right back after these. Music, Matt. Welcome back, everybody. Happy President's Day. Sorry to be so uh, Yankee Doodle, star-spangled, uh, obsessed with the presidency in that last break. I'm just, I'm a romantic. I'm an old-school historical buff. I love, I love our history. I love our government history. 
And uh, when I mentioned that uh, W wasn't the lowest IQ president, I will I will give you uh, I'll give some facts here. But I will also, by the way, uh, W ranks number uh, 26 out of the 45, 46. Well, we've had 44 presidents, I believe. No, that's not right. That's not right. Some guys ran twice. Or, uh, hmm, let me think about this a second. I'm really flubbing this up. So it was Grover Cleveland, I believe, that was the only president so far to serve two non-consecutive terms. I believe Cleveland was 22 and 24. That's what uh, former President Trump is trying to accomplish again, to become only the second president ever to have non-consecutive multiple terms. And I mentioned that uh, W wasn't the lowest IQ. W ranks 26th in presidential IQs with 139, an IQ of 139. Now, an IQ of 140 is genius. So uh, the beauty of this list that I'm looking on and it's by a website called Ranker.com. And its validity is, you know, yours to question or yours to verify. Feel free to do a little research yourself. If you find anything other than what I'm giving you from this list, no, it's not me. It's Ranker.com. Feel free to shoot holes and, and fact check them. But some of the presidents below, 140 again, is the, is the status for genius, right? You have to be a genius to be a good president. I don't think so. I think a lot of the presidents below W are, I, I would think, great presidents. I'll give you some examples. While they weren't geniuses by the standard of 140 IQ being the threshold of genius, a lot of the guys that were lower IQ than W accomplished great things. Presidents like James Monroe, Martin Van Buren, Dwight D. Eisenhower, Richard Nixon, with an IQ of 132, below genius. And a lot of people think it's a disgrace, president, the only president ever to re- resign from office. But President Nixon started the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency. I know that seems odd nowadays that a Republican president would be the one who starts the EPA, but it was Nixon. And if you don't think the EPA is valuable, try drinking water from, uh, from a city pipe. Try breathing the air in your city. Nixon was the president who decided that you should be able to see through air and drink water and that our nation's natural resources, our environment was valuable and worth saving, not at the expense of business and profits. That was Nixon. Ronald Reagan with an IQ of 130. Now, I personally didn't agree with most of the policies Reagan brought into into the fold during his two terms as president. I think Reagan's trickle-down economics is a fallacy people still try to play today. I don't think it's ever worked. Giving the rich more money doesn't mean more for the people below them. It just means scraps for the people below them. But that's a political point of view. Harry Truman, the president that uh, ended World War II after FDR died in office. IQ of 128. Nobody can argue that Harry Truman accomplished great things. Howard Taft. I heard today Sherry say she would like to have President Howard Taft as her uh, show uh, co-star today. She was given any, pick anybody you want. She picked Howard, William Howard Taft. Not just a president, but also a Supreme Court, uh, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. That's a great man. Uh, by the way, this, this list from Ranker, 
it's st- it stops short. Well, I, no, I'll, I'll give it to you. I wasn't going to say the last guy. The lowest IQ of all the presidents in our history belonged to U.S. Grant, Ulysses S. Grant. The general who saved the Union, who defeated Lee and the Confederacy, the military brilliance of Ulysses S. Grant helped save our Union. A great accomplishment, but a man far from a genius by the uh, the 140 standard. I mentioned W. Presidents above W, who had genius-level IQs. Of course, George Washington at 140. But so did Gerald Ford. And Gerald Ford gets a rough knock through history because he was the only president never elected. He was appointed. He was actually selected as running mate by Nixon to replace the uh, disgraced Spiro T. Agnew, who resigned the vice presidency in disgrace. And Gerald R. Ford was named vice president. And when he ran for re-election, his first election as president, he's defeated by Jimmy Carter. By the way, Jimmy Carter, let's skip around a little bit here through history. Jimmy Carter, one of the smartest presidents in our history. He was the uh, captain of a nuclear submarine. Jimmy Carter. 156, the fifth highest IQ ever among our U.S. presidents. Jimmy Carter, who today has been announced as in hospice care in Georgia. Had the fifth highest IQ of all presidents. Some people between W and Jimmy Carter. Teddy Roosevelt. George H.W. Bush at 143. Donald Trump at 145 IQ. Donald Trump's hero, Andrew Jackson, slave owner, Indian massacre, a man who actually had slaves build his home in Tennessee while he was in the White House. You know, a few problems, but a genius nonetheless. You know, FDR, 150. Barack Obama, 155. John Adams, the second president, 155. And then you get guys like James Madison, you know, founding father, is up there. Thomas Jefferson, the second smartest president ever by statue of IQ, at 160. Jefferson had a 160 IQ. Of course he could write the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. And the Federalist Papers, half a third of the Federalist Papers. John F. Kennedy, 160. The first Roman Catholic president ever. When we thought we couldn't elect a Catholic, the church would dictate all of our politics. Our politics would be nothing except church doctrine. We'd become a theocracy if we ever elected a a, a Roman Catholic as president. John F. Kennedy was the first Roman Catholic president with an IQ of 160. Bill Clinton, 159. Just goes to show you geniuses in everything. While President Clinton accomplished quite a bit during his presidency, he couldn't detect soft people in the dark. He didn't know which one was his wife and which one was the uh, the White House intern. That's a level of idiocy, idiocy unparalleled in presidential history. You know, he apparently you can't run two brains with one blood supply. I think that might be Bill Clinton's downfall. But an IQ of 159 for the man from Hope, Arkansas. The number one presidential IQ, and it's not even close, Kennedy was third at 160, Jefferson second at 160, number one with a 175 IQ. I mean, like, he couldn't wear hats, his brain was so big. John Quincy Adams, 
our fourth, our sixth president, excuse me, our sixth president, the son of John Adams, the first father-son presidency, George H.W. and George W. Bush, the second, of course. And who knows? Who knows? Maybe someday we'll have another father-son president combo. Maybe Hunter Biden will one day be president. Hey, maybe Don Jr. I don't have a lot of faith in Eric, but maybe Don Jr. will be president one day. Who knows? You know, we are a representative democracy. And we elect the people that best represent us as people. Sometimes when your district is full of morons, you elect a moron to send to Congress. But we're a representative democracy. We get, we, and I think, Matt, you've said it so many times, you get the government you deserve. Back to my point about us being a nation with uh, of quality and ideals. I hope we do get the president we deserve because we deserve a great leader. Whatever party he comes from or she comes from or they come from. Maybe it's a, a non-binary, who knows, someday we'll have a non-binary pronoun. Drive you people nuts, wouldn't it? If your president identified as they, them. Oh, we drive you nuts. Half your heads would explode. What a great day to be an American. Yeah. Happy President's Day, everybody. <laughs> I love presidential trivia. Oh, I mentioned that Nixon started the EPA, right? Yeah. People didn't, a lot of people didn't know that. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> You ever, oh, you know what we'll talk about later tonight? We'll, we'll take a little break from the presidency. We'll give you guys a little historical break. Think of it as recess. Go outside and play for 45 minutes. Later tonight, we'll talk about presidents on the screen, both the big screen and the little screen, both real presidents and imaginary presidents. I love to think about a guy with a lot of character and smarts being our president. Who cares if it's Jamie Foxx or Chris Rock or, you know, whomever? Bill Murray has played the president in a movie. It's Cairo Knights with Spike O'Neill and Matt Butler. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. So a texter pointed out that Jimmy Carter was not the captain of a nuclear submarine. I was incorrect. He was executive officer on the USS Barracuda. Sorry, have to do that by contract's obligation. Every time I say the word Barracuda. Uh, Carter was the second in command behind the captain of the USS Barracuda, but still a pretty smart guy and a great man. Regardless of how you feel about him as a president, Jimmy Carter, by the way, a little trivia for you there, the oldest living president is Jimmy Carter, thus the oldest president ever, Jimmy Carter. There you go. I know that President Biden is the oldest president ever elected, and a lot of people think that it shows every time he tries to open his mouth. I understand. The man who was born, by the way, with a speech difficulty, Biden born with a stutter, has worked his entire life. To overcome that. And I also understand that shaking hands with ghosts, as we've seen President Biden do from time to time, it's got nothing to do with the speech pattern. I'll give you that one. I've often said that I was a fan of President Biden and thought he should have run long ago. 
and that if he were a carton of milk, he'd be cottage cheese. He's past his prime. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. President Trump, former President Trump, who is seeking the nomination again, already declared his, his candidacy for the Republican nomination for president, uh, would be 78 if he wins in 24, the same age Biden was when he won in 2020. He's, yep, four years behind President Biden in age. So if Biden's too old, let's let's hold them all to the same standards. And I don't think Biden's too old. <clears throat> I think Biden's mental faculties maybe in decline. I'd be fine with information to that effect by professional, credible sources. If they tell me that's the case, then we decide what to do. I'm not fine with people running President Biden down on these armchair psychologists who know so much that they proclaim him inept or incompetent, unqualified. I, I don't buy that. Show me some proof. Give him a test. Tell me the truth, though, when you take it. You know, don't lie to me. I think all of our candidates should be getting cognitive testing. I mentioned this last week when Nikki Haley announced that she was seeking the nomination of the Republican Party, throwing her much stylish hat into the ring. I love that Marjorie Taylor Greene called her George Bush in heels. That was her slam on Nikki Haley. Really? You're running down a former president of your own party as an insult? Okay, Marjorie Taylor Greene, you're George Bush in drag. And I don't mean that as an insult. He was a president. You should take it as a compliment. (sighs) I think a cognitive abilities test should be given to everyone seeking public office. We mentioned this last week. Along with, along with a little bit of civics. A little bit of the three-ring circus. How does that work? Tell me the three brand. Give me the kind of information you can get from Saturday morning cartoons in the 70s. Pass a schoolhouse rock trivia test. And I'll, I'll, you know, consider you worthy of my vote. A lot of folks I don't think could pass that muster. Shame. Absolutely a shame. Someone says Lady Gaga would make an excellent president. You know, I got to tell you, when we're basing the presidency on charisma... The ability to speak eloquently in public, the ability to win over a crowd, and we're not basing it on experience or morality even, you know, I think Gaga would make a great president. She's obviously intelligent beyond belief. I'm down for a McConaughey presidency. That sounds like it could be fun. I got to tell you, Matthew McConaughey is a sharp dude, an absolutely... And a man of quality upbringing, a Texas background, from a loving family, guys, nothing but respect for his for for so many for his family for his his country. Yeah, absolutely, I think Matthew McConaughey might make a phenomenal president. You know, folks that folks that pick on the former the former president or the current president. Because of what you've been told on TV, I just, that just it does us all a disservice. It does the president a disservice, both the current and the former. It does our country a disservice. It does you a disservice as the person throwing mud and calling names. It really does. If you've got genuine beefs with any politician, let them be based on policy and fact and not hyperbole or accusation, you know, baseless accusation. There's enough wrong 
with President Biden, I'm sure he's done enough that ticks off a lot of people without having to make stuff up. Let's judge people by what they've actually done, what they've actually said, the policies they've actually championed and, and, and accomplished. Oh, it's a good day in America. It's President's Day. It's a day to get yourself a screaming deal on a new mattress or major home appliance. That's what our founding fathers would have wanted. Initially, it was President's Day was Washington's birthday. Then they combined it with Washington and Lincoln's birthday, making it President's Day. And now it's evolved into a holiday to celebrate and uh, acknowledge the accomplishments of all those who've been elected to the highest office in the land. It's kind of why I started this tonight was someone said it's not, you know, it's not worth a holiday. Of course it is. Of course it is. Of course, remembering the accomplishments of our highest elected office, our leader, is worthy of a national holiday. To go back and remember the accomplishments of those who helped build this country, make it what it is today. And not based on IQ. I was just going to, you know, I was trying to defend former President Bush there. That he's not the dumbest president ever elected. I mean, hell, like I said, some of the guys with great IQs did some knucklehead stuff, Bill Clinton. Tweeted in the middle of the night, couldn't spell Kofifi, Donald Trump. I mean, that's not, that's not the sign of a great leader. The inability to control your impulses in any shape or form, whether it's with an intern or with a, twi- a tweet. Let's say Twitter account, that, that kind of muffled out there. Anyway, our presidents are great men. The vast majority of them are great, great men. And I think someday soon, a great woman will lead this country. You know? And maybe, maybe someone who's non-binary. We've got representatives in our nation now who are trans, who are non-conforming, elected on the content of their character, not the color of their underwear. We're making progress, don't you think? I love our texters, 888-973-5476. Appliances are not in the Constitution. I couldn't agree more, Rich. Well put. Problem is, that's what we've become as a nation. That's what we think about President's Day now. It's not to honor our leaders. It's to get a great screaming deal on a major home appliance or a new vehicle or a mattress. And forgive my Lincoln mattress sale joke earlier from tonight. It's Kyra Knights, Spike on the old Matt Butler. We'll be right back after these.